face the world with Cetaphil. Get your dermatologist recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse. This is the House of Aths. It most certainly is. Johnny Stephenson in the house. My name's Cam Luke. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Make sure you get involved sometime over the next 60-odd minutes. 0433981116. Steve Montagetti to join us. The legend, not just track and field, but sporting royalty in this country will join us in around six minutes' time. But Johnny Steph, hello to you, brother. Hello, Cameron. How are you, mate? Oh. Uh, I know we'd say it's ramping up for you on the horse racing front. Yes. Football's just over. Yeah. Straight into spring, kind of, yeah. mate. So I know you've been extremely busy, but how good is it to talk another week? Well, of track and field. Mate, uh, look, again, I, I do a lot of stuff in a lot of different sports and I love them all. But what really excited me this week, Johnny, was the Chemist Warehouse summer season that's been it announced. Sure that we has. continually yes, talk has. about the Australian summer last year and how great it was and how it springboarded some of our great athletes to a wonderful year. And this is just going to continually get bigger and bitter. It is so cool. It starts on uh, December 2. That'll be the Zatapec, of course, including the Chemist Warehouse Australian 10,000-metre championships. And then it ends, uh, of course, with the Chemist Warehouse Australian Athletics Championships in Adelaide, the 11th to the 19th. There's a million things in between. It starts with the Zatapec, and it ends with Australians vying to get to Paris, Johnny Steph. And if you can't be yes. excited about that, what can you be pumped up about? Yes, 100% couldn't disagree with you, Cam. Um, Sam Colbert and Michael Angus and, and all the team athletes Australia. Really? People don't understand how hard it is to put together a calendar because you're dealing with a lot of state federations and their competitions and, you know, you've got international meets. So um, a lot of work's been put into this. It was quite interesting to see, uh, Cam, what our summer season looks like, our chemists wear our summer season Um I'm really interested. We saw a great Mori Plant track meet last yep. year. And um, obviously now being a continental tour gold meet, Cam, mm -hmm. with Adelaide meet being a bronze meet as well this year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. And, you know, Olympic year, Cam, throws up. It's oh. so important to get this calendar right for Olympic year because it, it, you, you're protecting our athletes when it comes down to point scoring so they make sure they can qualify for Olympics for those that don't have the automatic qualifiers. At the same time, you're protecting our athletes, making sure they've got the best summer season to allow them to prepare for the best for Olympics. So a lot of work goes into this. So um, it was really interesting to see. And it's nice to see the store gift in there as well. I, I really I got a really strong connection with the store gift. And uh, it was great to see it and being recognized there for, because it is, look, at the end of the day, yes, it's pro running, but it is running, mate. And it is part of our sport. And Athletes Australia have a lot to do with supporting that event. So um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. I didn't know we were allowed to talk too much about the stall gift on this show. We love it. But of course, you have that situation in 2012 where you thought you were heading down the stall for an absolute cash grab and didn't quite work <laughs> out that way. But um, we're going to get straight to a break because Steve Montagetti is saying, hey, you know what? I want to talk athletics. So we've got to have to carve the show to let the legend speak. So all thanks to Chemist Warehouse on the other side of this, it is going to be Steve Montagetti telling us exactly what the hell he wants to tell us, Johnny Steph, because he is a legend. That is next. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse on the House of Aths. <laughs> Face the world with Cetaphil. Get your dermatologist recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse. This is the House of Ats. Yeah, most certainly is. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse, Johnny Stephenson and Cam Luke. And we are, as always, Johnny, we're joined yes. by legends on this show. Legends yes. and great athletes and athletes yes. who have done wonderful things or are about to do something. That is the whole premise of the House of Ats. But it sure our, is, Cameron. Our, our next guest, our, literally our next guest, this is what's happening, right? As you can see, Johnny, you can see it. I've got 19 pieces of paper in front of me. And Ooh. that is just, that's not questions. Ooh. That Ooh. is his CV. 
So I can't okay. read it out or the whole show no, be big. done. So no, it's big. this Very guy, big. he's not just a marathon legend. He's not just a track and field legend or an athletics Australia legend. He is a Australian sporting legend. I speak of Steve Monaghetti, OAM, who yes. joins us on the show right now. Monas, I haven't got time to go through your CV, mate. You're one of the greatest. It's a pleasure as always for you to join us. How you doing? Don't bore me with all those stats <laughs> and all that rubbish. It's great to talk to you boys. Good on you, Cam, Johnny. Good to see great, you. Great to see you. Held up for ages. It's nice. It's, to, um, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while, Steve. I always see you around the traps, and there's there's two very famous times where we can talk about this camera on the show because there's no holes barred no. on the show. Yeah. There's two really famous moments I had with my brother Steve. Not only did I look up to him as a young as a young athlete. Um, but, but obviously, as a guy which has always been involved in our sport, and one was well, Steve and I, we were very privileged to do a show called uh, uh, it was Celebrity Family Thank Feud. Celebrity, Celebrity Family Feud. Oh, no. uh, which, which did we win, Steve? I can't remember. We absolutely we? smashed it. We really, we blew him out of the park. You and your good looks and my intelligence. Yeah. My intelligence. I'm glad you raised that, money because I was wondering how Johnny Steph went with the, uh, the the non-physical aesthetic side of the of the competition. I think, I think Steve I carried me. I think Steve did. Steve and his family carried me, mate. But, you know, I was there, though. I was there, though. Cam, it doesn't matter, mate. I was there. Hey, you half, know what I mean? Half the battle and is the, showing up. And the second time I remember Steve, which is, it was a moment which I, which I really, I really loved him at this, this day. It was, it was, it was, and no one even knows about this. And like I said, it's no holds barred. Steve was a chef de mission in 2006 at Commonwealth Games, and, and it was a great time for me, and I was really blessed and had an awesome opportunity to be able to represent my country again and being able to have success at the G was fantastic. I know where this is going. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, was, I, I had a bit of an issue. We won't go into the issue, but there was a bit of an issue that was... That was, that was Hang on. This show is no holds barred, mate. Don't shy back. What was the issue? But no, I, the details, details. I don't want to bore you <laughs> okay. with details, Cam. Okay. But there was a little bit of an issue, and and um and this is where I really fell in love with Steve. I thought, you know, he, this guy's a good bloke, and I caused him a bit of an issue because um we had an athlete that slept to compete, and I already finished competing. There was something that it was it was pretty bad. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't good, and it was handled really well by Steve and the team at the time. And and anyway, I remember sitting behind where where the um we had like an office, and where the um the queen comes in when she does a village tour she's got her own room where she can rest and use the toilet etc and i'm sitting just on like sort of my knees up just sitting on on the edge of the step and over over walks steve and he just goes see johnny (laughs) please mate can we just forget all about this and just focus on the sport (laughs) and i remember i remember looking at him going i feel your pain man i'm I'm sorry man (laughs) and just thinking to myself you know, leave it. And anyway, it all got squashed and we sorted out like gentlemen and everybody was happy. We moved on and everybody, and we had a great games and it was fantastic. But that was a time where Steve had two choices. He could have come and been hard on me. and But he, he came and, and he just said, look, Johnny, please, can we just move on? And it's a testament to Steve. And, and, and I have never really got a chance to really even talk to him about that situation, different things. But I think in, in time, Cam, there's athletes that are involved in the sport um, that, that are great competitors and, and, and do wonders for the sport as far as for themselves and as far as what they do for performances of competition. And then you, you see other athletes that stay involved in the sport continuously and help promote the sport 
and help see the sport and sports grow in this country, and which Steve is still continuing doing, being mm. a, a member of Athletes Australia on the board. So, um, you know, Steve, besides everything else, I, I never really got a chance to even tell you that, but you should be super duper proud of sort of what you've been able to achieve, man, and um, and super no, duper proud that you're you, you able to talk, talk Johnny off the ledge. Yeah, I think it'd be fair to say, Cam, I think um, it must have been really hot because I think Johnny was keen on putting some his own air condition yeah. air conditioning in one of the rooms to be fair to say i think you know where i'm going I, so I, but no johnny's johnny you're a personality i love we balance each other up you know i'm probably that quiet guy who's sort of distance running and you've got that um, fast twitch fibers and it's just a, been a pleasure to have you on teams mate you're a delight to work with i enjoy your, your company Thanks, it's, to the surprise of no one, Steve Monaghan is at the headline tomorrow. It covered your ass again, Johnny Steph. It probably <laughs> kept you out of the papers for Family all the wrong feud. reasons. Come on, guys, mate. Yeah. 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 I tell you, I'm seriously lucky you don't weigh too much because my shoulders are just feeling it, I'm telling you. <laughs> We've got a million things we could talk to you about, but let, let's start with the world marathon record because it has been lowered again. And that, that, that magical two-hour milestone is creeping closer and closer. Are you surprised? Kelvin, a Kenyan named Kelvin, Mona, has gone bang and run so incredibly fast. What are, you, what are your first thoughts about it? Yeah, well, I'm not surprised that he ran so well. I'm surprised he did it in Chicago. That's mm. probably the thing for me. I mean, Chicago was the world record course, but about 20 years ago. And Berlin and, you know, other courses, Valencia is now fast. And so there's other courses that have probably taken over a little bit. So I was a little bit surprised. The conditions must have been pretty good. But just the way he did it, I, I don't know if people are aware of the history. He's only 23, mm. or we, we think he's 23. There's actually something out there saying he might be. 26 but um we're assuming he's 23 and he um he's only run in the three marathons Valencia he won in 201 50 and change and then he he won London broke the course record ran 2120 there and of course now two hours and just 35 seconds can you believe it? he is less than one second per kilometer outside of that two-hour barrier. And we know Kipchoge's run under it in, in our Nike mm-hmm. setup race, but it hasn't been done officially. So looks like Calvin... And what, what, we, what I'd love to see now, Calvin goes to his next race, you know, maybe it is Boston or London or somewhere next year, breaks the two hours, and then we have Kipchoge and... Kelvin Kipton on the line at the Paris Olympic Marathon. Next wow. Year. How good would that be? Just to give you some perspective... Mm-hmm. Um, for people, it's he was running two minutes fifty one per kilometer for forty two of them with no recovery, and and I, I try to normalize it for people. That is treadmills. Most treadmills, their maximum speed is twenty two k an hour. He he's ran twenty one k. Get on a treadmill, just put it at twenty two, mm. and just watch the belt go round. <laughs> Don't get on because you'll 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 be spat off the back. But imagine someone being on that treadmill for two hours it is absolutely phenomenal or 68 and and a bit 68.5 seconds per 400 meters for 105 of them with no recovery johnny you can relate to that you ran one of them in about 44.3 or something but he's done 105 at him at them at 68.5 incredible when you when you were running monitor and you were involved in you know the the major meets and the world championships and you're meddling you're at the olympic games and you're right 
there as one of the best athletes over 42Ks. Was it spoken about? Was the two-hour mark spoken about in, in your running day and it being a realistic possibility someday? Or has the last no. sort of 20 years really taken a lot of people by surprise? It has, absolutely. And I've, I've been quoted as saying, you know, it, it won't be done in my lifetime. Mm. And yet we've seen such a progression, you know. And it, when I, you know, I ran 2.8, when I ran 2.8, 16, it was the 16th fastest time in the world, fastest time in the world that year. Mm. And the record sort of was 2.06, uh, 48, and it kind of went down slow. You'd see every two or three years it'd mm. come down 20 seconds. But suddenly mm. now they're just, every six months, they're chopping half a minute off, you know, and it's... Yeah. Incredible, and you look, and you, I, I'm, I'd also like to just pay, um, um, give due recognition to the females yes. because they, they've just, they've just they brought can. it down from it was two fourteen lows, and then 11. in Berlin a couple of weeks ago, Asifa ran two eleven fifty three, unbelievable. My oh. first marathon was at the Commonwealth Games. I won a bronze medal, and I ran two eleven eighteen. She would be just thirty seconds. I'd be looking. I'd be through the finish shoot, looking around, and she'd be <laughs> coming in. And, um, so incredible running. But even 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 Safan ran well in Chicago, Steve. I mean, she ran two thirteen, and I think it's a second marathon, if I'm correct, or or it's her yeah. first marathon. Like, yeah. I mean, won, it's just one in London. Just... That's right. And here's son, and she was at the Budapest at the World Championship. She ran correct. A... Second, a 1500 she had a steve she ran a 1500 and a 5k exactly. yeah. <laughs> you know and, and and then you know we can three or four weeks later she's going to run the marathon so uh, what do you test it to uh steve do you uh, there's been a lot of talk around you know the shoes um mm. we saw the neon project with kipchoge and sort of what nike put around when it came to the technology and you had the laser beam and you had the athletes and you had the duck shaped v form and he ran in and what do you attest uh do you think it's just the courses have become quicker, which I don't think. But I'd like to pick your brain. Where do you see this huge gaps in time um, that we've seen from your time to now? Yeah, well, I always like to think that it relates to training. So they're absorbing more training. There's obviously more of a focus now on the marathon. It's financially really rewarding. It's got a lot of attention. So Kenyans didn't really. I used to. I used to tell. This will give you some idea of, of to take this in the right spirit. Kenyans used to do their two-hour run in an hour and a half because they got so bored. They ran that fast that they they didn't think they had to be out there for two hours because that was long, slow distance when we were doing it. So they they didn't have a capacity really to be patient enough to run the marathon when I was, you know, there was Douglas Wakahuri and, you know, a couple of Africans, uh, Ahmed Salah. So there were a few, but they weren't as constant and as consistent as what they are now. So they've really... African running has now moved out to the marathon. And we're seeing someone like Kiptum. He's he didn't really run on the track. He, you know, he's not a guy who grew up through the track. Whereas Kipchoge, can we know Craig Mottram and Kipchoge ran, you know, the world championships and he's had a history of running on the track and as his as as um um uh Hassan. So it's interesting, whereas these newer Kenyans and Africans now are going straight to the road because it's so um financially beneficial. And then obviously there's the shoes. So the shoes are also, this is the thing that people don't understand. It's not just in the race itself. It's actually the recovery from the event. So they're recovering really well. And as you know, Johnny and Cam, you've seen it. If you can recover, you can get back into your training quicker, less downtime. So you're therefore absorbing more Ks, more mileage, more really good sessions. Because if you do a session, I used to have to do a, I'd do a session. I'd have to have a couple of days easy running afterwards because I needed my body to absorb that, whereas they're not. So I always look at training. Racing 
is an absolute reflection of your training. So there's there's a, a, an ability now for them to train at a far higher level. I mean, do we believe it or not? Kipdum apparently before London Marathon, where he did win and run 201.20, he was running 300 kilometres a week. His easy run in the morning was about 28K. Just mm. go for a lazy jog out in the forest for a couple of hours. That's his easy run in the morning. And go out and do a real session that afternoon. <laughs> I mean, phenomenal that your body could just actually tolerate that. So I think there's a few factors. And you wrap all of those up, put all those ingredients into the cake, and and, and it's a perfect mixture. Well, I'd just like to say thank you, Steve, because not often do I get uh, like-minded people. I mean, I'm, I'm often carrying Cam when it comes to sort of this intellect, so it's really yeah. great hearing insight yeah. about training, uh, mate, young Steve. I just but YouTube celebrity this. family feud, mate. No one, no one <laughs> believes you're carrying me, intellectually at least. <laughs> no, it's good questioning, and we need to put it into perspective. Absolutely. It's just amazing. What, no, what I love is, and it's it's relatable now to recreational running. We're seeing recreational running booming. You know, we go... Yeah sold out, massive amounts, 17,000, yeah. Sydney Marathon, you know, and then Nike Melbourne Marathon the weekend, 10,000 in the marathon, all sold out. Everything sold out except the three-cut yeah, walk. So but Steve, really, but, you know, it's become attractive. It's a new goal for new cycling. And I think, you know, seeing the elites doing what they're doing, that's now transitioning over into recreational running, which is fantastic. Yeah, definitely, Steve. And I did say this to Cam. It, people being getting their back up a little bit about the technology in the shoes. That's, it's actually fantastic for running because you're finding the average punter now wanting to be a Kipchoge, feeling if he puts these shoes on, which they do feel fantastic on your feet, that he feels he got, he's got some sort of, I guess, affiliation with them maybe transfers into his or her performances, right? But I will say this. Do you think, Steve, that... When you see the Assans, the Mo Farahs, which you didn't really convert too well, but you look at Gabrus Lessi, um, you look at now, you're talking um, Kipchoge, that this now new style of marathon running, you talked about the Kenyans learning to be a bit more patient now with the way they attack the marathon. Do you think this ability to go from 1,500, which we're seeing a lot now, into marathon is causing the speed to increase over the marathon now because they've got such a huge bandwidth when it comes to their pacing? I do, because I've always been big on differential. You know, I ran 60.06 for a half marathon, yet I never ran two hours. You know, I was running at, obviously, two-hour pace, if you double that, two hours and 12 seconds. But I had to have a seven-minute differential. So that's exactly what I worked on. So I like to have that speed in my legs where I could go. So if I ran, you know, I was running a 28-minute 10K, well, three weeks later, I turn up at the marathon and someone says, run 3.02 or 3.05-minute Ks. I go, piece of cake, you know, I ran yeah. last week. So that differential was really good for me. That's why I like having the track speed and then that translating out to the marathon. And it doesn't, you know, when if you're a 64 half marathon runner and you go through halfway in 64.01, you're very nervous. I actually, ran, I remember running a half in Japan and I had a guy, we went through 10K in about 28.30 and one of the guys in the field was, there was about five of us and he turned to the pack and he goes, oh man, I just ran a PB for 10K. And we all rubbed our hands together and said, good, because you're not going to be there 2K down the road. He was in the gutter, obviously. So, you know, that gives you an example of you, you need to have that differential. And you look at Kipchoge and, and I'm sure Kipdom, you know, they're 57, 58 minute half marathon runners now. So they've allowed themselves to have that gap. And obviously Kipchoge's track speed for him, three minute Ks is relatively comfortable and that's what you need to do. So that's my school of thought. There is another school of, um, school of thought where you just do these long tempo runs and a lot of the African training is 
you know, you're just survival, you know. They go up to some forest and about 50 people turn up and they just go single file behind Kipchoge and they all drop off. And if you can keep up, you go to the Olympics. You know, it's that sort of stuff. So I, I never did that type of tempo training where you're running fast at the back end of the race. But if you break down Kelvin Kipdom's 10K lots, he ran 27.52 between 30 and 40K. So he'd already done 30K and he ran 27.52. My PB for 10K was... 27.47. So he's five seconds off my personal best for on the track for 10K on the road after running 30K. Now, you have to have some sort of differential or some ability to be able to maintain that speed. And, you know, and we're seeing the women do the same thing. You know, they're running, coming off the track. Because they've got that track speed, it is a lot more comfortable to run it. What we thought was impossible pace, you know, 2.11.53 is phenomenal running. 3.08 communicates for a female wow it's just super hey, great to see but you've got to relate it again we've got to make this you know relatable mm, to the absolutely because you know when i was running marathons people used to think i was crazy they go it was something i was superhuman now it's very relatable and that's what i love about um you know the running boom as it is at the moment hey monty you, you kind of touched on this I've, I've always wondered so when you're in a hot marathon and, and the, the speed is is really on and, and you know that maybe the tempo is a little quicker than traditionally you would go and you know you're going to struggle how hard is it to keep that balance between trying to find the right rhythm and stay in touch with the leaders but also knowing you have to check yourself to be able to get 42 k because i assume in the actual adrenaline the moment it's not that easy we needed you on family feud with Mm. that type of question that's a ripper um no it's really difficult and this you know, if, you, if you're slightly outside your comfort zone and you're thinking, well, you know, this is the risk reward. I've never started a marathon or race, to be honest, where I didn't think I could win. So my mentality, you know, and I was, a, I'm not, that's not being big headed. I was one of the best distance runners in the world. Absolutely. So any race I turned up at, I did believe I could win. So when you're at, at the 35K mark and you're being tested and you suddenly have to think to yourself, actually, I don't know if I can handle this pace. And if I don't, I don't win. Because, you know, once they go, they go. There's no, you're not going to catch up. Mm -hmm. Once you drop off, you know, in my mind, you drop off, you don't win. So my decision was then, well, it's risk reward. Do I go? And this is going to hurt like hell. I might blow up and I might be walking to the finish line, but at least I'm still in the game. And I like to stay in the game. So I would say, okay, well, if someone surges, I'll go with them. I hope the surge doesn't last long. If it, if that keeps going, well, then I'm probably just going to slowly drop off. But by hell, I'm going to give a good account, as good account as I can to be in the in the mix to win this race. Over the course of your career, is there a marathon you look back and you had that particular situation that you had to go and, and it worked for you? Like, was there one that sticks out for you? Oh, Berlin, you know, when I won. And Com yep. Games is probably the best one. Com Games in 94, I'm not sure if people realise, but uh, we're pretty casual through halfway. It was raining and it was Com Games and the course, you know, wasn't all that fast. But at about halfway, I was basically just jogging and feeling really good. And and I got to a stage in this back end of the race and, and I thought, I'm feeling really good. There, were, there was down to about five, a couple of Kenyans. And I'm thinking, gee... I really want to go now, but I'm a long way from the finish. So this is a bit dangerous. If I go now, I'm, I'm putting myself under a bit of pressure. 
But if I go now, I'm guaranteeing that I win. So I, I did go, I broke away and I, you know, I ran 64 minutes for the back end. I, I came home really well, but, but that was a bit of a, a, a risky thing to do yeah. because I could have sat a bit longer and I still probably would have won, but I wouldn't have won with the, the decisive margin mm. that I did. And I always like to, you know, to control the race. If you're feeling good and, you know, you're in a position to take off, well, well, then you do, you know, and that's what you're practising training. They're the days that you reward yourself for, for all the training you've put in. You don't have too many of them. You know, I ran 22 marathons over my career. I only actually won three, you know, and then but the three, that's not bad. One that's, in seven used to be good. It's not yeah. now because Kipchoge <laughs> just wins everyone and Kipton <laughs> wins them all. But back then, that was about, that was actually a pretty good percentage. You know, that was Berlin, uh, Tokyo and, and Com Games. So, in a few seconds and thirds, but you know, I was very consistent because my training allowed me to get to the start line and back myself in. In that situation where there's a the group of four or five, is there an alpha male in the group that the rest of you are looking around to see what they do? Yeah, well, there is now because yeah. we have paces. So yeah. what you normally do, this is the background. The night before you go to technical meeting, and they all go, well, you know. Hey, who's, you know, hey, Minor, what pace do you want to go at? You know, we're, and so the paces are, are basically almost, you know, running for you personally. And that's what happened to me in Berlin. We were running 302K pace. We wanted to run the fastest time in the world. It was bought in, it ran 2821 uh, or something. And um, we were keen on getting under that time. So it was 302K pace. And they locked it in and away they went. And I had a guy, he, he was checking on me. He'd look around, mate. He'd you know, have a bit of a chat. Are you feeling all right? Pace is good. You okay? Thinking, how good's this? Have my personal <laughs> um, chauffeur on board here. It was good. Um, so those paces play a really important role. And you need to be comfortable and, you know, understand what they're doing. And, you know, I think he dropped out. Hopefully they get to later in the race because they set it up. And he dropped out at about 30K. And, you know, that allowed me to um, dominate the race. But everyone was looking at me that day. Two weeks before, I'd broken the world record for the half at the Great North Run. So I was clearly the favourite and the one that everyone was looking at. So it's nice to have that psychological advantage because we're all probably in similar physical shape. Let's be honest, Johnny, you know what this is like. You're on the start line. They're all, they're all, if you're on the start line, if you're on, on the start line in the final of the Olympic 400 metre race, there's no one there that's a bunny. They're all, they can all run. So we know there's going to be 10 people in this race that all, can all run. It's then the mind games that you play. And it's interesting because there's the internal mind games because you get to 35K and your body's hurting like hell. You know, we're running 20K an hour and it's, I'm getting really fatigued. And my body, my family feud head is saying, <laughs> if you stop right now, the pain goes away. And it's pretty, pretty. it's, it's logical. You, hey, well, we don't have to go through this pain if you just stop. So, but then you're going, no, come on, we're going to keep going here. And then you, outwardly, you've got to be looking relaxed. You know, all the other runners are looking at you. And if you're crying, you're probably not going to win. So you just put on the brave front. Yeah, I'm dominating this race. How good is this? You know, I'm thinking inside, I'm hurting like hell, but I'm hoping they're hurting more than me. And those are the games you play. And hopefully psychologically, you get that little sniff and, you hang on a bit longer than someone else and suddenly they put a tape in front of you and you win. End of story. Good, good outcome. <laughs> hey, uh, Melbourne Marathon this weekend, you, you mentioned it earlier, Mono, that we, we've seen the success of the Sydney Marathon a, a month or so ago and the continual move from the organisers to make it a, a world major or a major marathon this week, Melbourne Marathon. There are many, and you mentioned sold out, been sold out for a while. Many of those people are listening to this show right now. What what advice do you give someone who goes into a marathon, be it their first or their 10th? Yeah, I'd certainly love to tell the first-time marathon runners 
you only ever finish your first marathon once the first time so enjoy it so when you're doing that lap around the mcg really soak it up you know so you might you know if you look around and enjoy it you might cost yourself two seconds well who cares unless you're running you know if you're running 359 59 mm. you might be upset but generally those couple of seconds they mean nothing you're better to really enjoy the moment so um and just to to understand the, the other thing you know I, i'll tell honestly we normally i normally say 30k but i'll tell you honestly 28k is halfway in the marathon now that that isn't the right answer because we know halfway is 21 but i can tell you the last 14k feels so much harder than the first 28 so the last 14 it's so 28k is about halfway so you want to try and um, get all your drink stations you know get all your drinks along the way suck all all the energy up you can bide your time tick off the k's early hopefully they're cheap k's you get away and you go oh i didn't even feel like i did that k because when you get to 30k you are going to need every one of those cheap k's that you had in your back pocket from early on in the event because it, you will absolutely get tired we all do but it is a fantastic feeling. The feeling when you cross that finish line, the satisfaction is like nothing you'll ever experience in your life. How many marathons well, did you run in Australia, Steve, outside of Sydney Olympics? <laughs> Truth be known, none. So that's your, the only marathon you ran in this country was at the Olympics, right? That's right. Sydney, my last Karen, one. Karen, Steve ran for the big bucks, mate. Yeah. Early, and, and and Karen, hey, come on, hey, come hey, on, Cameron. Hey, you ought to come, man. That makes two of you in this I conversation like, then. I don't, I don't like the... Because we were both smart. So listen, oh, it is but true. I, I can honestly, Johnny's joking, but it is true. I only had one payday year. Yeah. Out of my 22 marathons over a 15-year career, I went to four Olympics and six world championships and four Commonwealth Games. Now, I didn't run the marathon at all of those, but about I think about 12 out of 22 were for my country for zero dollars. Mm. So I tell you, when I did turn up at something like a London marathon, I'm on the start line thinking, gee, I hope I get it. I hope I go okay today, <laughs> or otherwise my family doesn't eat for the next 12 months. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was my life. And, yeah. you know, well, well, I avoided well, but I, I still... It didn't change how I raced. Yep. I wasn't running at 40K going, gee, you know, if I drop off here, it's going to cost me 10 grand. I was absolutely yeah. running my ring out for not because of any financial inducement. If that came afterwards, then that was a bonus. And as I tell people and I say regularly, my greatest moments in, in this great sport of ours was for me, look down at the, the emblem on my singlet that had Australia on it and say, hell i'm representing my country and what an honor that is and i i'm holding the baton for the people who have come before me and for those who will come after me so i am just the custodian of this singlet for the time being and i will do it proud and make sure that um, i leave uh, nothing nothing on the track um Unreal. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, Miners. We've got to fit a break in. I know you've got more to say. I know Johnny Steph's got some questions. Plenty more with Steve Monaghetti on the House of Ass on the other side of this. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Face the world with Cetaphil. Get your dermatologist recommended Cetaphil for a great price at Chemist Warehouse. This is the House of Aths. Well, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, Johnny, Steph, Cam, Luke, and the legend that is Steve Monaghetti joining us on the House of Aths. And it's time to let Johnny, Steph, loose on Monaghetti. Take it away, Johnny. Let's let's pivot a little bit now. Um, You're still involved heavily in the sport as a board member of Athletes Australia. So let's put the board hat on. We had a great, you know, I mean, Budapest, I was blessed enough to be there 
and watch our Australian team perform. And um, I've been blessed enough to be a part of the sport post my career and what Andrew Fate and the high performance team has done. And collectively as a sport, we talked off air about this. Collectively, it's not just, your, which I always believe what you said, we're, we're merely custodians of the sport when you're a board member, an admin, or even when you're an athlete and you're a coach. Um, but it was, I think our sport's in such a good place at the moment because of what we're seeing through rec running. What we're seeing now through people recognizing our sport as a, a sport which complements every other sport that you can partake in. And mm -hmm. I think what we're doing as far as from board all the way down to, oh, which I call our primary stakeholder, which is the athlete and the coaches, I think there's some really good synergies there, Steve. Um, talk us through your thoughts um, on how you see our sport now that you're currently sitting as uh, as a board director of Athens Australia. Yeah, and, and thanks, John. It's a good intro because our athletes and coaches are doing a fantastic job. And for us as a board is to make sure that we are supporting them. That's all we do. I mean, we are... Uh, managing the sport at the highest level but you know we m m need to make sure that at for the member associations for the clubs you know down I'm in Ballarat you know we we have interclub down at the track we know need those people to be enthusiastic supported well coached and skilled uh, enabled to be skilled so they can do this sport for life you mentioned we've all we all know athletics is a foundation sport but for us, it's also, we think, the number one Olympic sport. So you've actually got you've got the whole pathway, you know, from from, from get-go to, to finish. You can't have any better than running for your country at the Olympic Games That's as, or competing for your country at the Olympic Games. So we've actually got the whole transition through. So our the key for us is to make sure that we coordinate that journey so that you don't drop in and out of our sport. You know, you don't, someone rings you up, Johnny, and says, hey, mate, we put a team in for the corporate relay up at Sydney. Do you want to come and run? And you kind of go, oh, yeah. And then next week you're off, you know, swimming in 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 the, in the harbour. We don't want that. We want it for you to choose to be an athlete for life. And so we need to make sure that we put the framework around you and so that you do choose to do it. And it's easy for you. It's something you enjoy doing. The social benefits are, are enormous. We know the mental health benefits, the social side. You know, I'm a, I'm a life member of every club and every association because I just love being involved because it's my social network and the benefits I've got out of that. I'm a quiet, was a quiet kid from downtown Ballarat with low self-esteem. And look what I've been able to achieve using the vehicle of athletics as the as the the, the um, carrot to get me to achieve all those things so that is why I give so much back to the sport because it's a sport that's been so important and so integral in me developing as a person so just on that from the outside looking in and and, and Johnny and I have this conversation a lot minor is the fact that the sport looks like here in Australia it's in the best spot it has been for a long period of time and I don't necessarily mean because we've got high-end athletes, elite athletes meddling at a major championship like we did at the Worlds we did see a couple of weeks ago, but a well, month ago now. But everything that is around it, the feeling, the vibe, of course, the calendar that has been released in the last couple of days towards the Australian summer, looking back at last Australian summer of athletics, it feels like it's never been in a better spot. You've been around for a long time as an athlete and now in an administration. Do you feel that as well? Yes, um, mm. probably need a bit more money. I'm on the inside now, so yep. I see the figures. And uh, despite 
you know, us not paying our athletes enough, they are performing unbelievably yep. well. So, and that's not a criticism of, of athletics because we just don't have the money. And and I'd love to give the athletes and support them more and make them allow them to become, you know, semi-professional. They are working so hard now that, you know, it's so difficult for them to be able to get the commitment and the time. You know, it's not the training time that's really important for our athletes. It's the recovery time. You ask one of our athletes, Oh, yesterday, did you know, I know you went down the track and you you, you trained really hard, you, you, you're vaulting, you know, Curtis Marshall, you vaulted 50 times and then you, you probably went to the gym that night, but yeah, you probably went home, had a bit of lunch and then had a snooze for an hour, didn't you, Curtis? He goes, no, mate, I had to go to work, mm. got to make a living, you know, so I'd love to think that we could support those athletes to the degree that we give them the opportunity to do all those extra things that someone like... Jakob Britson's doing we know they are so why can't we support our athletes in that regard so that's the financial but I don't it's not just money no it's the way we then use that money to resource the athletes well and that's mm. more the key it's you know making sure that that money is used well and at the moment we are using the money unbelievably mm. efficiently yes. look at the results yes. I mean yes. our athletes are delivering despite us not being able to support them as much as what we would like I was just going to say that, Steve. I'm, and I think I think that's what we've done really, really well, uh, Cam. Um, and and I and I like to speak as as I'm blessed enough to still be a part of the sport from a, from a consultancy point of view. And and I and I think Andrew Fate and the high performance team and Peter Bromley and, and our board and and Jan Swino is our chairman of our board. And I think it's such a delicate dance. And Steve put it so well. Cameron, we, we're not like the big commercialized sports where mm. we can come in, take our 64 athletes to represent Australia, um, create a weight for them and create an environment which they can be full-time athletes. A lot of, there'll be a very high percentage of athletes which go out and have to earn a living in order to survive, to be able to compete at world championships. So great partners like Chemist Warehouse, Puma and people that, we, that are on board with us now at the moment are seeing our vision and they're growing with us as we grow. So when you get results like this in Budapest, when you see how well our team has done, when you hear that, when you hear the noise with it and the rumblings in the sport disappear, where you start to see a lot more um, uh, collaborations between athletes, federation from NOCs, state bodies. Um, as a federated sport, I'd have to say in Australia, we are doing very, very well. And it's a testament to our board, all the way to our admin, our hardworking admin that comes into from a daily BAU standpoint of view. Um, it's something which Cam, I, I, I think our sport is in a really, really nice position. And, and Steve is hundred percent correct. Our commercial backing in this country has to um, start to recognize and see the importance of our sport historically, our importance of our sport has been able to do when it comes to inclusion. We talk about female participation. We've been doing this for since the dawn of time in our sport. Um, and this is what our sport represents as a whole in this country. And um, and like I said, it, it takes uh, athletes that have been there, like Steve, to be able to work his way from being an athlete. Like you said, a humble young kid from Ballarat um, with low self-esteem to now being on the ball, which is which is a, is, it's a massive responsibility when you've got the sport in your hands and you're developing constitutions and you're developing admins and you've done structures in order to where the sport's going to go for the years to come. Um, it's really important that now commercially we start to recognise it. Because I, I tell you this, come Olympic Games next year, yeah. the sole focus is going to be on that track, Cameron, mm. and where that flame sits, right? So, you know, you can't deny the fact that our important athletics is to not only our country, to the world. So, um, you know, I think we're doing a good job. And, yeah, that's my rant for today, Cameron I, and I, Steve. I, I like it's good. it. I think, you know, backing up, Johnny, you know, our sport's so diverse. You know, as I say, we, it's for every – there's an event for everybody. It's for young, old, in between, and masters. You know, you can do para sport. I think we, we are so inclusive. You know, everyone talks 
about? Oh, yeah, no, we're trying to build female change. Yeah. We need our females in. We've been doing that forever. That's just that's in our DNA. Not only, not only that, Steve, Steve, not only that, there's, there's, very, there's very little barriers to entry in our sport. Like you said, look at you, you said, I'm from Ballarat, I'm from humble beginnings, to, that took over the world. And, and I think like, that's the beauty of our sport. World athletics have now changed. You know, they, uh, I don't know how you like this, Johnny, but no indoor indoor records anymore. Mm. They're short. Yeah short now and but the great thing with that and what i look at that i don't look at the you you know sally now holds the the record for this or whatever what i look at the the the, the way that that can then uh, filter down to the community you know what 200 meter tracks why don't we get every school to put a 200 meter track in you know we've got a, a subdivision here in ballarat lucas that i know they will be just dying jumping at the opportunity to put a 200 meter track in there suddenly we get you know they recognize these 200 meter tracks not some junk you know some little sprint thing it doesn't count it's actually a genuinely recognized distance now 200 meters so that's what i look put those into the community because it's a grassroots that we really need to make sure we're supporting and give them the infrastructure we talk about infrastructure infrastructure is only as good as if it's useful we want useful infrastructure <laughs> i don't want the biggest stadium you know we talk about qe2 in queensland I mean, you can fit 100,000 people in there or something, but you can't run an AFS meet there because half the half the um, facilities aren't appropriate, but we never get 100,000. So, you know, we're better having an athletic stadium, 200 metres even, where you can fit, you know, 20,000 people Boy, in there and they're, they're screaming from the rafters and having a great night and, you know, young role models. And, and I also want to go back to one of the reasons that I'm really proud of our teams at the moment is because our athletes are really showing great leadership. There's a really good bond within our team. Doesn't seem everyone gets on really well. We've never had that before. You know, we never no, those no, no, yeah. no. Hey, uh, Minus, thanks Don't for joining us, mate. In that first 500. I've got you covered already, mate. <laughs> thanks for jumping on, man. We appreciate it. Pleasure, Steve. Steve, Steve he's a legend. Chemist Warehouse, plenty more on House of Athens. <laughs>I was pretty good in 45 seconds back in the day, uh, Cameron. And some might say I still am. Hey, the shortlist for the Women's World Athlete of the Year of the year is out there. Oh, no, you're throwing me. Uh, where are we? Uh, who wins it? That's what I want to ask about. The Women's World Athlete of the Year. Who wins it in your mind? You got one for me? Oh, <laughs> mate, I looked, at the, I looked at the list and I yeah. was just it's absolutely hard. rattled, mate. Um, but I'd have to say, uh, I'd have to say Faith Kipiego. Yep. I mean, she carried the whole Diamond League, um, performed like a champion yep. at World Championships. Uh, Sagesa Asefa in the marathon, that will, that's just, I mean, mate, easy for her to win, win that. Uh, if Femke Bold didn't fall over in the mixed relay, I, I, I would have given it to her hands down without a doubt. Um, it's just, yeah, very, very tough, man. And um, the Bahraini Winfrey Yabby carrying a, such a small nation in Bahrain, the steeplechase. Um, she's been fantastic and wonderful. And, uh, uh, mate, I'm, I'm really sorry to our listeners. I'm sorry to you because for once in my life, yes, I can't be, uh, I can't give you a straight answer. Well, it, and um, Yulima Rojas in a triple jump. I mean, yeah. she's been five, six times world mm -hmm. champ. Like, he's, mate, amazing. Yes. You know, like, how does she not become uh, uh, the athlete of the year, uh, Cameron? Be so, because you're a right, mate. Feels like a million other great performances. We're going to get out of here for Chemist Warehouse. Podcast to chat with Steve Monaghetti. Johnny Steph, we'll see you next week.